Mark 5, verses 21 through 43. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for twelve years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha Komi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this told them to give her something to eat. Everybody, good morning and uh, welcome to Christ Community Chapel. Really, really glad that you are here. Uh, Welcome those of you over in our East service, those of you who are tuning in online. uh, Welcome. Uh, I just want you to know I, I love, love, love being a part of this church and what this church can do. I want to Uh, read to you something that I received uh, just uh, about two weeks ago. This is from uh, Hudson City Schools. It says, Dear Dr. Coffey, I'm writing to express our sincere gratitude for the provision of turkey baskets for our Hudson families. It's such an amazing effort by Christ Community Chapel and Judy Dalton. It's just an absolute joy to work with. It's been so many years that we have been blessed with your donations And the magnitude and generosity of this program never ceases to amaze me. Thank you to everyone who is part of this effort. It is top-notch from start to finish, 
every year, and we're so thankful for your support. Best regards, Julie Schultz, social worker for Hudson City Schools. So I just want to thank you for being a part of that Thanksgiving basket kind of program that we did way back in November. I also want to tell you that we were able to send uh, $15,000 to relief efforts over in Turkey and Syria as a response to the earthquake there. It took us a while to find a ministry partner that we knew and trusted, but I love being a part of church, of a church that can uh, touch people right around here who have needs and then touch people far away who have needs. So don't quit being generous. Don't quit being generous. If you are, are not giving yet to this church, uh, then I would just encourage you to, to start, right, to be a part. Right? I uh, got notified from our financial office uh, this week that uh, four of you uh, became first-time givers and did a reoccurring gift, which is absolutely the best gift for us because it helps us plan on what we can and can't do. But thanks. Thanks for your generosity. I love that. And I also want, to know, want you to know I, I love that there's a standing room only in this service at 10 o'clock, uh, both here over in East Hall. We've had this happen before, uh, for those of you who've been around long enough before COVID. And when we did, we asked people to make a sacrifice to either move to the 1130 service or to the 830 service. So if you can move and are willing to sacrifice because the 10 o'clock hour is when visitors come. And if you're visiting here, we are glad you're here. We want to make room for you always. All right, that's it. Now we uh, get to look at uh, the book of Mark. We're in our 10-week series called The One True King. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 5. Uh, if you want to use one of our pew Bibles here in the sanctuary or one of the Bibles that's over in East Hall, then it's on page 789, page 789. Now, if uh, you don't have a Bible and you would like a Bible, please just go to the Next Steps area. We will give you our Bi a Bible. It will be our privilege to give you your first Bible. It's that important to us that you have one. All right, uh, what we're looking at is a kind of a, a wild story. You know, Mark uh, moves at a breakneck speed. If you've noticed, if you've been reading the Gospel of Mark along with the study guide that we made, and I hope you have, you probably noticed that he uses the word immediately a lot. Like immediately they went here and immediately this happened. He is just trying to tell the story of Jesus as fast as possible. And then all of a sudden in this story, things slow up. This is the story of a, of a desperate father who comes to Jesus in the long shot that Jesus can heal his daughter. And it's the story of an anonymous woman who reaches out to touch Jesus in hopes of being healed from an embarrassing and chronic disease. All right, so here are the three points I want to pull out. And Jesus is the one true king. So here are my three points. I want to talk about the crazy timing of the king, the messed up values of the king, and the confusing power of the king. The timing, the values, and the power. First, the timing. So the story begins with this desperate father named Jairus. And he uh, has gone to try to find Jesus, right? Because and when he finds Jesus, he throws himself on the ground and he doesn't say, my daughter might die. He says, my daughter is dying. 
And if you're a dad, you can feel that panic inside of Jairus. It must have been an excruciating decision for Jairus to pull himself away from his daughter's bedside, knowing he could be sacrificing the last couple of hours he would have with his daughter to go to try to find Jesus. Like if I, if I told you right now that someone's going to die, you need to go find Pastor Jim College, what would you do? You, you might head out to the atrium. If you know where his office is, you might head back there for his office. But every person you'd pass, you'd be saying, hey, have you seen Jim College? Do you know where he is? And, and they would go, what, what, what? And you'd just move on to the next person. Did you see Jim? And in a building this size, you know, you could be going this way and Jim could be here and walking that way. You could hear that he's downstairs and go downstairs that stairwell and he would be coming up this stairwell. And all the time, your frustration and your panic would be increasing. Multiply that by a bunch. And you have Jairus. We don't know how long it took Jairus to find Jesus. It really doesn't matter. It was too long. So he finally finds Jesus and he throws himself down at Jesus' feet. And he says, will you please come? Will you come to see my daughter, to heal my daughter? And Jesus says, I'll come. How do you feel if you're Jairus? Your heart jumps. You're just going, okay, that's great. But there are three steps to your whole thing. Like the first thing is to get Jesus to say yes, that'll come. The second step is to get him to the, your home. And the third step is to have him heal Jesus. Step one, done. He said yes. Step two, the easiest of the three steps, try to get him to your home. But Mark says there's a huge crowd. He used the word thronging, right? If you're, I mean, I was trying to think, if I was Jairus, my voice would be cracking, just trying to get people, would you please move? Please, please just get out of the way. How fast would you be trying to get Jesus to walk? Right, you'd be, you'd be taking his elbow and you're going, Jesus, can you jog? Right, do you know what that, that is? Come, come on, let's jog, right? And then all of a sudden, Jesus stops. He stops. And you have stopped with him. And Jesus says, wait, someone touched me. And the disciples are clearly confused because they just say, Jesus, everybody's touching you, right? Every, well, and let me stop there. This is a little disconcerting, might be a little scary. Because what this story says is that there are a ton of people who are very close to Jesus, a ton of people actually touching Jesus, but only one person gets the power of Jesus. And that means proximity isn't enough. It means you can come and be a part of worship here every week. You can go to Bible studies, get close to Jesus, but never really get Jesus. And Jesus says to this woman, your faith has healed your faith in me, in me. It's not enough to get close to Jesus. Don't make the mistake of proximity. You have to put your faith in Jesus. All right, so Jesus takes the time to talk to this woman. And Jairus is just standing there waiting for Jesus to start moving again. And while he's standing there, he gets news. Now, this is, this is almost unconscionable for Jesus. Like up to this point, it's like EMS truck, sirens going, everybody's in a hurry, and then he stops. He takes the time to talk to this woman. There's a big difference between chronic illness and an emergency. Right? This woman 
had been ill for 12 years. Another couple hours wasn't going to impact her at all. Right? But for this little girl, it was fatal. Literally, it was fatal. Why, why wouldn't Jesus say to this woman, I'll be back. Just give, I promise, I'll be back. And, but I'm in a hurry right now, but he doesn't. And while he's talking to this woman, Jairus has somebody come up to him from his home and say, it's, it's too late. Your daughter's dead. How do you feel if you're Jairus? You're looking at Jesus just going, Really? You know, Pastor Zach gave a message last week about the disciples being in a storm with Jesus in the boat. They woke Jesus up and they said, don't you care that we're going to die? Right? That, that had to be the way Jairus felt. Jesus, didn't you care enough to hurry? Really? If you've been a Christian any length of time, you have probably felt this with Jesus. But Jesus, with the disciples in the storm, he was trying to let them know storm, all kinds of storms were going to happen in their lives, but he came to save them from the one great storm, the storm that would swallow up all other storms, the storm of the wrath of God. And Jesus turns to Jairus and he says, don't be afraid, only believe. And then they get to Jairus' house Jesus goes up into the little girl's bedroom. He sits down on the side of the bed. He takes her hand and he says, Talitha kum. And that that phrase, that's not uh, some kind of incantation. It's a a really kind of interesting detail. It's Aramaic. Uh, Jesus spoke Aramaic as this common language, but the Gospel of Mark is written in Greek because Mark was writing Greeks and Romans. Always pay attention to details. Details will help you know whether something, a story is true or whether it's made up. And this is a detail where there's no reason for Mark to add this detail that Jesus used those particular words in Aramaic unless those stuck in the disciples' head when they heard him say it. And it's translated, uh, little girl, I say to you, arise, but it's more like a like a phrase a mother would use in shaking her daughter awake in the morning where she might say, honey, it's time to get up. So Jesus touches her hand and says, honey, it's time to get up. And she gets up. That's it. The power. Unbelievable. Now, if you were Jairus, and you knew the end of the story, you knew that you were walking with a king that was so powerful that death to him would be like waking someone up out of a nap. How would you feel as he talked to the woman? It'd be a totally different feeling. Listen, I want you to know, Jesus' timing will not be your timing. Jesus' timing is never your timing. But if Jesus really is the one true king, and he can speak to death and call someone out of death like, they're, like he's waking somebody out of a nap, then he's never late. And listen, I want you to know, cancer, stage four, is a terrible storm, but it is nothing compared to the wrath of God. And Jesus came to say, I will, I will take care of you. I will protect you from the wrath of God so that one day, when you die, the next voice you will hear will be my voice that will say, it's time to get up. I was writing in my prayer journal this week thinking about this. 
Then I was uh, conscious that I was breathing, and I was just thing, saying to God, every breath I take is a gift from you. Every breath. Thank you. And when I take my last breath, the next voice I'll hear will be your voice that says to me, Joe, it's time to wake up, and then life will really begin. Okay? It's the timing of the king. Then the messed up values of the king. There are two people in this story, right? There's Jairus, who Mark describes as a ruler of the synagogue, which means that he is a moral, upright, wealthy, influential, really good man. And the other person in the story is this woman who uh, has been hemorrhaging for 12 years. She has spent all her money on cures that did not work. So she is a social outcast. She is poor. She is destitute. Think homeless woman. And Jesus is walking along with Jairus. And then all of a sudden he stops because this woman, she wants to touch and run. She wants just, and Jesus stops and he wants to talk with her. And he takes the time to listen to her story while this very important, upright, moral, good man stands and waits. And Jesus treats this woman like she is the most important person in the world. Now, when you read the Gospels, this happens over and over again. Right? That Jesus is drawn to messed up people. Right? It, Jesus, if you put Jesus in a crowd, in a crowd like this, he gravitates to the most messed up people and the people who have messed up the most. Because with Jesus, all you need is need. And that's all this woman has. That's why this story shows that God really is a God of grace because this woman has nothing to offer. And something else I want you to notice, Mark goes out of his way to say she spent all of her money on cures that did not work. So she's not just sick of being sick, she's sick of trying all these things that did not make her whole. My daughter Becca and I were part of the parent summit that we had here yesterday and we were we led a breakout session called Raising Kids in a Sexually Confused Culture. And we talked some about gender identity and the LGBTQ community and all of that. But we had three points, which is no surprise to anybody, right? But our first point was identifying the problem. And identifying the problem, we were saying that everyone is broken and we're all trying different things to make us whole. And gender identity, LGBTQ, is just another way of trying to find something that makes you whole, and it doesn't work. The, we use this as one of our slides, just this broken person and all these words that represent the things that we try. And this woman had tried all these things, and finally she came to Jesus and said, I've tried everything else. Now I just want you. And Pastor Zach said last week, if you go to Jesus and you ask him for one of something else that you think will actually save you, it's not the way it works. You go to Jesus just for Jesus. Because all you need is need, but need is what you need when you go to Jesus. So the, the messed up values of the king, that the king is drawn to those who have messed up the most, and with this king, 
All you need is need. All right, that brings me to my third point, which is the confusing power of the king. So there are kind of two parts to the power of Jesus in this story. The first part is with Jairus. You know, he, he ends up going, Jairus gets the news that his, his daughter has died, it's too late. Jesus says, uh, don't be afraid, only believe, and he heads. And by the time he gets to the house, the mourners are already there, and they're wailing and crying. It's just this huge thing. And Jesus says something that absolutely confuses the mourners. He said, why are you making such a commotion? She's not dead. She's just sleeping. And they laugh at him because they know she's dead. And they know she, that he's too late. But Jesus goes up into the room sits on the edge of the bed, takes this little girl's hand and says, honey, it's time to get up. And she opens her eyes and sits up. That's it. That's it. Right? No incantations, nothing. You know, there's a story in the book of Kings where Elijah is sent by God to raise a little boy and he cries out to God. He lays his body on the little boy's body three times to try to raise him from the dead. Jesus does none of that. Jesus just says, honey, it's time to wake up. So overwhelming is his power. It's nothing to him. That's one part. And then the other part is with this woman. Right? The way that Jesus knows that she touched him and that she was, had been healed is that he felt the power go out from him, which meant he felt weaker. And the question is, why? What is it? He can, he can raise a little girl from the dead with power like in his pinky finger. But this woman makes him weak in his knees. Why? And the answer is that she was unclean. She was unclean. Which meant in that time she could not go to the temple. She could not worship. She could not get close to God. Listen, all the physical unclean laws in the Old Testament are supposed to point to our our spiritual uncleanness before God, that none of us can draw near to God the way we are. We are all unclean. Jesus takes this woman's uncleanness to himself. This is like a precursor to the cross. Because when Jesus goes to the cross, what he does, what it says, is that he takes your uncleanness, my unclean, my weakness, he takes on himself. Jesus bleeds so that you can stop bleeding. That's what Jesus does. You know, I love this story for so many reasons, but one of the reasons is that it shows kind of the complete power of what Jesus does on the cross. Because when Jesus goes to the cross, he takes our uncleanness on himself, but then when he resurrects, he shows that he has power over death. So that for those of us whose faith is in Jesus, then death is not final. And we will be called out of death as easily as someone is awakened from a nap in the afternoon. You know, I was trying to think, what, what would it be like if I could really live in that reality? The reality that Jesus has taken my uncleanness, and I'm no longer unclean before God, but I can draw near to God because of what Jesus did on the cross. And the truth that 
Death for me is not something to be feared that when I die, the next voice I hear will be Jesus just saying, Joe, it's time to get up and real life will begin. And as I was thinking about that, this story came across my desk. It's a story of a, a man who lives in Sierra Leone. His name is uh, Shodanka Johnson. I love that name, Shodanka. My kids are lucky I didn't know that name before I named him. <laughs> but he has, uh, was, is a Christian who felt, has felt called to minister uh, to Muslims. And uh, he has been arrested several times. And this is his account of one time when he was arrested. He said, uh, one of the times that I was arrested, I came to the point of almost death because my hands were tied behind my back. And this commander was going to kill me. And he was furious. He said, I'm going to kill you. And when I kill you, go and tell your God what you've been talking about. Your God cannot save you. You are already a dead man anyway. So in that pain, I just bowed down my head and I said, God, please, if this is my time to die, I'm ready to go. But please, God, give me the courage so I can talk to this commander. At least if I go down, let me convert one more person for you and let it be this commander. And so I lifted my head and I said, Commander, please, I know you're going to shoot me, but please give me five minutes so I can talk to you. He said, go ahead and talk any nonsense. You're already a dead man anyway. And I said, Commander, please, I want you to accept Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior because you know, if you shoot me right now, there are angels all around waiting to take me to heaven. But if you die, Commander, in this state, you will not make it to heaven. I said, no, I love this part. He says, right now, if you accept Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, and then you turn around and shoot me, you know Jesus will still forgive you. I mean, that's shocking. And he looked at me. He looked at me, and he told his boys, untie this man, let him go. Something is wrong with his head. <laughs> He's not a normal man. So I was untied, and they let me go. But a few weeks down the road, the commander came looking for me. And when he came, he said, you know that the way you spoke to me that day, no one has ever spoken, spoken to me like that. I go to bed and I can't sleep. Can we be friends? And through that friendship, the commander got saved and baptized. And two of his guys were also were baptized. And today, the commander is still alive. He's a follower of Jesus. And two of his boys are also serving the Lord. Isn't that astounding? Yeah. what I want you to go away with. It's what I want you to know. That no matter who you are, no matter what you're going through or what you've gone through, I want this story to remind you of the perfect timing of the king. That when Jesus says he has conquered death, that means he can never be late. He is never late. I wanted to re remind you of the beautiful values of the king. That no matter how far you feel like you have gone astray, that Jesus gravitates toward you. And with this king, all you need is need. And I want you to be reminded of the amazing power of this king that he can take your uncleanness on himself and make you clean before God. 
And his power is such that one day, one day, when you die, the first words you will hear will be his words when he says, it's time to get up. So whatever you're going through, don't be afraid. Only believe. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, I come to you, and uh, I'm so grateful. I uh, love this story. I love it because I feel like um, at times I've been gyrous and uh, been so frustrated uh, with your timing only to be shown that you are, are never late. I pray for every person here. I pray for those who uh, have been making the mistake of proximity, of just being close to Jesus, but never really knowing him. I pray that this might be the day that they open themselves up and say, Jesus, you're the one I want. You're the one I need. I pray that you would remind all of us of your power to take our uncleanness, make us clean, and to let us know that we do not have to fear death because death to you is nothing. Thank you. Thanks for Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.